Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is Saturdays with Sam and Bucky, the unofficial Falcon and Winter Soldier after show brought to you by your friends at Active Geek Productions. I am Jim, joined as always by Chuck. And this episode is going to feature another week of us talking about who the power broker is because we still don't have the answers even though this episode was called truth we've got some truths and we got a lot of lies uh, especially from uh, john walker because my man is falling apart so as we go into this we will break down episode number five the second to last episode of the falcon and winter soldier and we are going to enter deep spoiler territories right now and just recap the episode so let's just start with a, a brief little recap then we'll get into our thoughts we see the fall from grace of one John Walker. We see the yeah. birth of Sam's new hero journey. We see Bucky on a mission to find peace, to right some wrongs, to not be the Winter Soldier, to find himself post-Steve. We see Zemo going for an extended vacation on the raft. Carly has a new ally. Sharon's still shady AF. And uh, welcome to the MCU, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, the longest name that I'm going to butcher in every single episode from here on out. So as we go into this episode, Chuck, let me know some of your thoughts on episode number five, Truth, the longest episode of this series so far with a mid credit scene. So if you haven't watched it and you're listening to this, go back halfway through the credits, watch it, and then come back to us. So Chuck, what are your thoughts on this episode, Truth? It wasn't as action-packed as we got before. Like We had a great action scene in the beginning. And it was very powerful, like John Walker's testimony, which was brief, but man, that dude poured some emotion into that into that scene. And I saw it and I was like, wow, it, that's Kurt Russell. And like, it, it, it looked like his dad, it just, I mean, it was an amazing acted, acted scene. And like, that was a great scene. The Sam and Bucky, little heartfelt talk when... Uh, they're at Sam's house with the, you know, practicing the shield. Like, I'm like, okay, this is an action packed, but man, we got some great drama. We got some great dialogue. We got some new characters. Like, it was just a great episode, even though it wasn't action packed. Yeah, I mean, from start to finish, this was Marvel at its best. Uh, this was better than most movies I've seen this year, and this was only an hour long. The the writing. The fight choreography, the story building, the score, the cinematography, everything in this episode was amazing. Uh, The thing I like about it is that Walker is completely out of his mind. And either he is absolutely crazy or the serum has kind of clouded his judgment and he's lying to everyone, including himself, about who killed Battlestar. As we go into it, the first scene of the show is John Walker running. He's running scared. He shows up in this warehouse, and then it's like Sam and Bucky trying not to get the shield from him for personal reasons, but to get the shield from him so he doesn't do anything crazy, and they were trying to protect this man, even though he's wild, and he's a killer. And he just goes, he's like, I had to do it, I had to do it. He killed Battlestar. And they're both like, no, he didn't. And then you you fast forward to when Bucky's talking to the Hoskins, or I'm sorry, John Walker's talking to Hoskins, He's telling the Hoskins that the guy killed Battlestar. So he's believing it. He's believing everything that's happening. So I don't know if this is him just compartmentalizing things and just 
maybe we see a scene in episode five or episode six where he's back in Iraq or Afghanistan, wherever he was overseas, and he's justifying him killing people. I don't know if that we're going to see that, but I'm very curious to see what happens with John Walker. That end credit scene kind of sets up U.S. agent, super patriot, um, or in the back of my mind, I'm, after seeing you know uh, Valentina Contessa or Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, don't call her Val, uh, played by Julia Louise Dreyfus. When I see her kind of poising herself to be like the power broker of Walker, I'm curious to see what goes on. And in the back of my mind, I get like a little twinkle and a little little happy that maybe they could do like a weird adaptation of Secret Empire where Walker joins Hydra. Yeah. Because as we know, Valentina has a bunch of ties to a lot of organizations. There were so many layers to this episode. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the the heart to heart with with um, Sam and Bucky. This episode kind of reminded me of a Rocky movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? Because you talk about Rocky, um, I agree with you. But when Sam did that fight montage, all I was thinking was, "I the Tiger would play great right now." Yeah, like that's where I was getting it. It was like. Rocky got defeated on both ends. We're, we're looking at yeah. Sam Sam and Bucky getting grounded and John Walker going absolutely berserk. And they're just trying to do their montages, albeit Sam got a, a longer one. And we got to actually see Sam stunt double when he was doing all those parkour flips. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was very it was very Rocky-esque. It was the, the, the birth of a hero, which was amazing. You were talking about the dialogue and everything, too. Uh, one of the scenes that was my favorite as we kind of just like move into our favorite parts was Sam and Isaiah. Yeah. yeah that was definitely. so powerful. And I was talking to uh, a friend of mine and I said that that wasn't acting. Uh, Isaiah Bradley, the actor who played Isaiah Bradley, was not acting in that moment. That was him speaking from the heart. Because everything, even though they were written on a script and he had to read them, the emotion behind it was absolutely true. And I I thought that that was great. I would love to see, and I know we'll probably never get it, like an anthology series for Isaiah Bradley. I think that that would have been amazing. I was thinking the same thing, especially because when he said, like, you know, he was, you know— in war, and he heard Upper Brass saying that they were thinking of blowing the POW camp just to hide that they injected these people with super serum, which he didn't even know. He thought they were getting tetanus shots. Yeah. And which is, you know, at least Steve knew what he was getting into. Like, these people were just guinea pigs that had no idea. And, you know, he went in and saved. Like, I thought the same thing. I was like, that would be really cool, like a TV movie or something like to show a young Isaiah Bradley going in there and rescuing these um, people. Yeah, it, it's a shame that like that's act like that kind of testing, not superhero serum, but like that type of testing happened to soldiers. Yeah, uh, in the early on in our history, which is absolutely horrifying. I don't know if they'll ever do an Isaiah Bradley story, although, like I said, they should. I I feel like it would be too too many caps in one kitchen. You know what I mean? We have Steve Rogers, Captain America. We we seemingly have Anthony Mackie becoming Captain America. We got John Walker being somebody, whoever like he was. <laughs> I am Captain America. He says that, but then you know, does he go the route of U.S. agent? Does he go the route of Super Patriot? Then we have 
Isaiah Bradley, who would be another Captain America, and then we would have Eli Bradley, who is getting more love this episode. He got a, an ep- a scene where he's playing basketball, and he's like, I'll be back there. Never showed up. No, like, no the whole he did time, not. <laughs> not once did he come back. He's like, all right, check. And then Sam went through this super emotional scene for like 15 minutes, and Bradley's nowhere, Eli's nowhere, nowhere to be found. So you would have all that. I just feel like the casual Marvel fan would get confused on how many Captain Americas it is, and Marvel would be like, oh, well, it's not best for business, which sucks because Isaiah Bradley's story and his comic book origins are fantastic. Again, I, I encourage everybody to read it. What were some of your favorite parts or your favorite part if you only had one? All the dramatic scenes, I think, were my favorite part. Cause it, like you said, the Isaiah one, uh, the John Walker, briefly but great, and the Sam and Bucky heart-to-heart. I just think the writing was fantastic in this episode. And um, like I said, it wasn't action-packed, but it it was a lot of story building and a lot of heart. And to me, like that was the greatest thing in the whole episode. But yeah, the write, the writing was fantastic. Um, some of my yeah. favorite parts, the opening fight scene was great. It mm-hmm. reminded me of Civil War when Bucky and Cap were fighting Iron Man. Yeah, and I love Sam was using the wings as like a weapon. Like, yeah. we've seen him fly a lot, but like, there was, when he kind of opened, he was on his back, opened the wings and kind of like swept John's legs. I was like, yeah. oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm curious to see if like, because it wasn't mentioned in dialogue if those two knew that he took the serum or maybe it was mentioned i know someone told him that no val val said they took the serum but sam and bucky never mentioned that he took the serum so i'm wondering if after that fight they're like oh wait now he's super powered because it wasn't even was never brought up well remember in last episode when he threw the shield and or he punched a dude and sam goes what did you do like i think they it kind of was implied that he took the serum. I hope so, because there was a lot like that whole journey down the the serum route was very ambivalent with uh, mm-hmm. or ambiguous with uh, with John Walker because we didn't see it, and it was just kind of like it is implied. So it'd be funny if he didn't take it and he was just manifesting powers. Uh, <laughs> but I know that that's not that likely. Uh, the Sam and Isaiah scene was great for me, which I already you know documented. The passing the torch to Torres, where Sam's like, take the wings. I thought that that was great. Sam's Rocky moment, his training montage was fantastic. Also, the the weird comedy that was kind of peppered in with this, with uh, Sam and Bucky on the boat, and just like the community coming in, and Bucky flirting with Sam's sister. Yeah, he he was like, hey, I'm Bucky. And she was like, yeah. And then she, you know, you see her all start blushing. Yeah, she was all about it. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. She was all about it. But that brings us to the Easter eggs, the the painstaking part of my job. (laughs) So, again, the series doesn't have a ton of Easter eggs, but they do have a ton of comic book lines and comic book ties. And we'll start with Ed Brubaker's Captain America um, he is responsible. That man is responsible for creating the Winter Soldier. And um, mm-hmm. recently, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but he came out. He came out and said that when he sees the trailers and the commercials for the Falcon and Winter Soldier, it makes him sick because he doesn't feel like he's getting the credit that he deserves, and all he got was a thank you. 
He had nothing nothing but nice things to say about Anthony Maggie, Sebastian Stan, and the people at Marvel, but I think he wants a little more than a thank you. Maybe a paycheck. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, but he came out in an interview and said stuff like that. Uh, but then we get Walker kneeling at his shield. T- is a callback to Captain America number four out of time storyline where Steve Rogers is kneeling at his shield. It's got blood on it. Again, goes back to Civil War as well. And then John Walker on trial is very similar to the trial of Captain America. And that gave us the birth of the U.S. agent. The shield that's being made at the end credit scene looks like the U.S. agent shield. Yeah. Because he doesn't have... Th- he doesn't have the star in the middle, although he's kind of piecing it together. He's got his Medal of Honor right up at the top, which is very cool. I'm curious to see how he gets the suit. Like, is he just going to be in his garage making all this stuff? Or is Valentina going to hook him up with all these suits? I think I think Valentina's going to hook him up. Yeah, well, let's, she's got... let's talk about Valentina. Yeah. Let's talk about Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, the surprise major cameo that was supposed to happen in this movie, this episode, where... We talked after we recorded on Monday who it could possibly be. I've talked to all my friends, and we were all wrong. All wrong. I don't think I don't think anyone predicted that, especially with uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yeah, I didn't like imagine Elaine just walking into the courtroom no. uh, in some red bottoms. You know, this isn't the first time we've seen Valentina Contessa, or I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, in live action. Uh, she was in the awful. Um, Nick Fury, uh, David Hasselhoff movie, played by Lisa Rena. Yeah, you know I never thought she would show up in Marvel, in MCU. Well, at all in this storyline, it's perfect because um, she's a part-time lover of Nick Fury. We still have a Nick mm-hmm. Fury in the universe. She's a yes. member of Leviathan who hasn't been mentioned yet, hasn't been brought up. That could be your kind of next step in the the master plan. It could be the new Hydra. You also have the fact that she was one time Madam Hydra, so it could always go back to Hydra. She was the former leader of Madripoor. We've already seen what Madripoor is about. Uh, she was very powerful in Madripoor, leading me to possibly believe that she could actually be the power broker. And she said that like there's a lot of people that John Walker has impressed. And I'm curious to see if she's talking people higher up than where she's at or she's at the pinnacle of the mountain and the people that are higher up are just higher up from John and Hoskins aspect. Um, she was also See, meant to debut in Black Widow. Okay. She's going to have a big role in the MCU going forward. See, I thought like you were saying match, but like she was part of the uh, Kratos club and I thought, I think it's more leaning toward that way because it's a group of industrial millionaire, multimillionaires who they're, whole goal is to influence to ensure things get right the way they want to get done no matter what so i can see like her being maybe not the power broker but i think the kratos club could hold a bigger part yeah for sure for sure if there's clubs and organizations marvel's gonna bring them out which you know they're really good at it would be pretty Mm -hmm. cool like a cool little twist if she's actually like the benefactor of the flag smashers and like coordinating behind the scenes and carly thinks she's doing everything but it's actually val and then this kind of leads john to i don't think john would ever go join the flag smashers but i'm curious to see if like maybe val is part of like the grc and it's corrupted 
and they're trying like they're trying to infiltrate more and like the flag smashers messed up everything about the repatriatism act and all that stuff it'd be really cool about that but that's a lot of speculation for one episode and we know she's yeah. going to be back she gave a blank card and i think a burner phone the one thing about val and uh i won't spoil as much of of this as i i should but she plays an important role in secret invasion in the comics yes so be on the lookout for that zemo we didn't even talk about zemo Zemo isn't going to kill Bucky. He he said it. He said, listen, we're cool now. We're, we could be buddies. Bucky was going to kill him. We got that very cool scene where the bullets were dropping that we saw in the trailer at the shrine or the monument at Sokovia. And then Bucky, essentially, he calls Io and the Dora Milaje shows up. They take him away. And where are they taking him? They're taking him to the raft with several high-value villains. Most recently, Adrian Toomes and Mac Gargan are on the raft, and we had seen that Falcon, Ant-Man, and Hawkeye had all spent time on the raft. So I'm very curious to see what happens. I believe that this is the setup of the Thunderbolts. Okay. and uh, We've been talking about it for years. Yeah, and we also know that there's a man who has access to said raft, and that's Thaddeus Ross. And he could be recruiting, if he's the power broker, he could be recruiting these villains and turning them into, you know, the Thunderbolts. We we all know, kind of moving forward in the, the Morbius Spider-Man world, Adrian Toomes gets out of the raft. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what happens there. Uh, Captain America number, no, Captain America No More number 332 uh, was mentioned through Isaiah and Sam and Isaiah's scene where he says, and that's an arc when... The U.S. government is deciding on whether or not there should be a Captain America. It also features John Walker as Super Patriot before becoming Captain America. Super Patriot is the bad John Walker, which makes me think we're leaning more towards Super Patriot, which would be a fantastic villain name Yeah. in the scheme of this. And just to see what Sam thinks about Super Patriot and Bucky thinks about the next hero or next villain being Super Patriot, I think that would be cool. And then in... Captain America 170, Sam gets the Wakandan wings. And it seemingly feels like we're getting we're gonna see next episode, the Wakandan wings. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I can't wait to see those. I think we've already seen them in a trailer. Yeah. Where they looked I a little more um you know bird like instead of and, just like one frame. Yeah. So and that, obviously more high tech because it's Wakandan tech. So Oh, could you imagine if they're cool. just cardboard? <laughs> uh then we get a uh in passing steve is gone and that equals that steve's dead in my mind yeah the way the way they were talking it like he was gone he's gone hit what he thinks doesn't matter he's not coming back like steve's dead uh he's i mean he'd be 185 at this point or he'd be 106 but i think he's dead uh sharon's working with batrock I thought that that was weird. So that's more of Sharon being the power broker teasing. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you Definitely. hire Batrock the Leaper? Like somebody who in the comics has tried to kill Sharon multiple, multiple times. And now they're like, buddy, buddy, I can get you a bigger payday. She knows that Batrock wants to kill Sam. Yes. Which is crazy because Sam's her person. It makes me think that she's the power broker. And I I know I keep thinking that Val's the power broker and it's like the Mephisto 
trend when everybody pops up their Mephisto for me, but Sharon being the power broker or being in bed with the power broker makes the most sense because she's just distributing her power throughout this whole thing. Sam gets Carly. Batroc has Carly. Next episode, Sharon's going to tell Sam where Carly is and she's going to find he's going to find Batroc and seven super soldiers. It's going to be da- it's going to be a very dangerous finale and I hope I hope to God they reveal that Sharon is the power broker or we find out why Sharon is being Sharon. Yeah. Um, when she's on the phone and I was like, oh my God, it's Bartrock. And the fact, like you said, the fact is that she basically gave Carly Bartrock. And I was kind of like, come on, like she's backstabbing them in the back. Like she was all willing to help them, you know, uh, in Majapur. And now she's basically serving them up on a plate. Um, I think she just wants everybody. She wants to get everybody who's a loose end tied up. Yeah. You know, and if if she's not the power broker, she's just taking orders from the power broker to get the heroes in one spot, to get John Walker in one spot because he's going to follow where Sam and Bucky go, to get Carly somewhere and to get Batrock out of their hair because he's going to be a loose thread. It, it's crazy. We've got one episode. I was talking yesterday to somebody and I said that this episode needs to be about like two, three hours long. Yeah. It needs it, to be a full movie. I don't see how they're going to wrap everything up unless it's going to end on a a cliffhanger and say, oh, in season two. But I just don't see how they're going to wrap everything up in maybe an hour. Yeah, I mean, I see this getting a season two. This is one that I I believe should get a season two because you're you're launching a new hero out of this. And whether it's Falcon and Winter Soldier or it's just a Captain America series with Sam Wilson, I think that that would be great. Um, there was one more thing that I missed um, when Sam's nephews are calling him Uncle Sam. I know that that means nothing because it's normal because you're like, hey, you're my uncle. Your name's Sam. But in this episode, in terms of this, this was a foreshadow to the end scene where Steve or where Sam becomes Captain America. It was like you are now the face of America in my yeah. mind. I thought that that was cool. And like you're also like back to the original point. You're also launching a new sidekick, perhaps, with Joaquin Torres. So yeah. there's – it could be Captain America and Falcon next. And Bucky goes and talks to Yuri in the next episode and then just kind of moves on. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He's over this life. He doesn't want to be a soldier for hire. He doesn't want to be a pawn in a bigger scheme for the rest of his life. And he just kind of wants to follow in the footsteps of – of Steve and, and and Peggy. So maybe he finds his Peggy and maybe it's that you know that bartender at the restaurant, maybe it's you know it's Sarah, maybe it's Io. Who knows? But uh if Bucky comes back next year, I'd be in next season if it happens, I'd be happy, but I could also see him just riding off in the sunset and passing it down to Sam and Joaquin. Yeah, cool. definitely. Um I thought I like you said, the the Joaquin thing was cool. And uh, my wife goes, why is he giving up the wings? I was like, because he becomes Falcon. Maybe. I was like, in the comics he does. But I thought that was cool. Um, but, we, you know, Joaquin hasn't really been in it too much. They kind of pepper him in there. So hopefully he does have a bigger role later on. Yeah, we'll see. Well, there's one episode. So later on, it has to be next week. But this was a, <laughs> a five out of five for me. Was it a five for you as well? Yes. Uh, not my favorite episode. Um 
but definitely a good episode. Okay, yeah, this was my favorite uh, because I think it was perfect from start to finish. But that's it. We'll uh, we'll move on. We'll be back next week with our final episode of Saturdays with Sam and Bucky. But we'll be back Wednesday with our State of Comics episode. So take a listen to that. Follow us on Instagram, The Active Geek, on all the other social medias. You can find Chuck AG Cosplay on Instagram. Galaxy Wars every Monday. We're going to be doing Godzilla versus King Kong, which I'm pumped about. And yeah, we'll be back next week for the Active Geek Podcast. I'm Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.